grateful for the sunshine, as Becky said, and uh, certainly grateful for the rain. You know, Titus was um, an early Christian missionary companion of Paul, and uh, everything that we know about him seems that he was Greek, so he came from an unreligious background, and then he finds himself being a Christian leader, much like uh, Timothy was. And there's a book in the Bible or a letter that Paul wrote to him with his name attached to it, Titus. And it's a letter from the Apostle Paul to him telling him how to lead this church, the things that are important and the things that he should teach and focus on as a Christian leader. And one of those things is found in Titus 3.14. I want to put the verse up there. Paul writes, people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order that they may provide for daily necessities and not live unproductive lives. Well, just look at that simple verse for a second and let let that thought sink in. This is clearly instruction about work. And I don't know about you, but like, Sometimes the Bible surprises me, even though I've been reading it for a long time. Aren't you kind of surprised that the Apostle Paul would write to a young pastor and say, tell people to work, to be devoted to their work. And he, and he uses this word devotion, which is kind of the title of our series right now, but it's like, it's a religious word. We think of it in that way. And he's, in a way, he's saying, your work is worthy of religious style devotion. And that's not something that we often look at uh, in our teachings, but I can tell you one thing. What, what's weird about it is the Bible often speaks about work and how followers of Jesus should work and the values that contribute to that, and that's what I want to talk about today. Will you pray with me? God, focus our attention Uh, Teach us, remind us of the things that we've forgotten. And in these next 30 minutes or so, God, I just pray that your spirit would speak to us, each one of us, in the place that we are. And and maybe leave this place more devoted to you because we came together and sang and learned and smiled and met new people. That we've been together fully as your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks. You can be seated. If you're new here, my name is Britt. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I'm just so thrilled to have new people almost every Sunday. And what's really thrilling is that people who know me keep coming back, too. That's really thrilling, you know. Uh, If you're just joining us, we're in this series we've called Devoted. And uh, it's, it's a series about God's astonishing devotion to us and what it means to be devoted to Him. And we've defined devotion, what it means to be devoted in this series, as devotion is the fusion of heart and commitment. It's like there's emotion and passion attached to our devotion, but then devotion isn't just heart and passion. It's also our choices and commitments that we make. When those come together together, That's called devotion. Uh, 
you know, sometimes people ask me, like, well, how do you come up with your sermons, you know? And I, and I just tell them, you know, there's sermon.com on Saturday night. I can just look it right up, come up with a message, type in, no. I don't think I've ever done that. Um, and they're not posting mine on there either, so, uh, so we're even, I guess. But we've been talking about different aspects of devotion. And, you know, it'd be easy for me as a pastor to just kind of say, okay, what, what's the stuff that Sunridge needs to be devoted to? And that's not how we did the series, nor is it how we do it anytime. It's like we, when, we got, when we started looking at how the Bible, the word devotion kind of pops off of the page sometimes, like be devoted to this. And, uh, we said, well, let's, let's just look at what the Bible says about devotion. And so that's what has kind of formed this series. And, it, you know, there's like some typical stuff in there, and then there's, there's some surprises. The first Sunday in Devoted, we talked about God's astonishing devotion to us, that he is and always has been wholly, wholeheartedly devoted to us. And if you're, you know, God's devotion isn't based on, you know, how good you've been this week, the choices that you've made in the last year, the 20 years, or your whole lifetime. God is just devoted to people. He gave his son to us. And that thought, when our hearts are filled with that, it's like, of course, we would be devoted to sharing that good news with others. So we talked about being devoted to the gospel. And then one of those kind of like outliers that was a surprise to me when I started thinking about devotion, we talked about devoted finances. That the Bible explicitly talks about how the resources God gives us that as Christians, we're to devote that to them, to, to him. And then last week, Jed just did such a remarkable job talking about our devotion to Scripture. And I don't know about you, but I came away from that message like more inspired and in a way more devoted to understanding Scripture. But also, you know, I so appreciated Jed's honesty. And it just kind of, it helped me to acknowledge the places where I struggle. Sometimes when I see something in the Bible and good hermeneutics and translation says this is indeed what God is saying, and yet that can be so difficult. So today, though, I want to talk about kind of a surprise. It's one, another one of those things that I just didn't really see it coming when we started to look at what it means to be devoted to God. And here's my main thought. This is in your notes. As a Christian, you can be wholly devoted to your work. As a Christian, you can be wholly devoted to your work. Now, I want you to know that I did H-O-L-Y on purpose, not a misspell. And that will make sense as we go through. But also, I want to talk about like what I mean by work. Work is the thing that you do. It's the role that you play. You can either be compensated for it or not. Uh, you can wor work includes being a stay-at-home parent as well as a CEO of some monster company. You can be a volunteer, and that could be work. It could be part of a nonprofit or something that's entirely driven by profit. It's the thing that you do. So when we, when we talk about being devoted to work, that's what we're talking about. You know, what's interesting is statistically, Americans are not devoted 
to their work. In fact, uh, CBS News recently did a piece on how by far the majority of American workers are, the phrase they use, disengaged from their work. And those that are disengaged, what they mean by that is that the majority of American workers feel no connection at all to their work. And in most cases are doing the bare minimum to get by. They also noted that 16%, 16, 16% of American workers are what they call actively disengaged at work. And what that means is 16% of Americans who work are, they resent their jobs. They're constantly griping to their coworkers, and they actively undermine the company that employs them. The Gallup poll uh, recently did a study as well and found that 70% of American workers are uh, also, their term, disengaged. And about those disengaged workers, they say that these the 70% of American workers cause customers to suffer with poor service and quality control, and they are cost, costing the American economy $550 billion. You know, this is one area where being a Christian is so different than not being a Christian. If you're wondering about Christianity and how does it apply to my life today, this is one area where it's like super practical and outstanding. Because to, to be disengaged from your work should not be the experience of a Christian. And I'll tell you why. We're going to talk about five things today. Five reasons why, if you're a Christian, you can be wholly devoted to your work. Number one, you can be wholly devoted to your work because Christian faith brings us a new perspective of work. It brings us a new perspective of work. Because when we become Christians, our hearts and our minds are enlightened in a way that was impossible without Christ residing in us in his Holy Spirit. And when that happens, you get a whole new perspective of life. One thing you learn is that work is part of God's perfect creation. Work is part of God's perfect creation. In fact, God gave the first human beings productive work to do. Genesis 2.15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. You realize that tending the garden for Adam was designed to be a pleasant and rewarding experience. And he would have loved fulfilling that. He would have found purpose and fulfillment in doing this thing that God had called him and designed him to do. I want to point out this isn't religious work. It's really blue-collar work, and in most cases, it's menial. But in spite of that fact, it's God-given. And part of bearing the image of God as human beings is that we have work. It's, it's one thing that distinguishes us from all other creatures. Only human beings were assigned work. It's God-given. And the fact that God gives like menial tasks, work, 
to Adam helps us understand that when it comes to vocation, part of this is how our perspective changes when we become Christians. When it comes to the work that we do, there is no secular and sacred divide. We tend to break the world up into two pieces, like well, there's the holy things I do and the unholy, the religious, the unreligious, the sacred, and the secular. And I don't think that that's a biblical perspective. In fact, the Apostle Paul writes in Colossians 3.17, whatever you do, in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is clearly another instruction that says whatever work we've been given to do, that we can do it in the name of God. You know, this distinction between secular and sacred work has done a lot of damage, I think, to Christians. First of all, it, it is stole, if, if, you, if you maintain that distinction, then it's, it robs you of the dignity of work. It, it robs human beings of the dignity of, of simply making a living. And it diminishes the calling of anyone who doesn't do a religious job. It, it can, if, if you separate those two and you say that this work is holy and this work is not, then it can make you think wrongly that the work that you do doesn't matter. The truth is that religious work has a lot of just factors that are just plain old work. Some people say, well, what does a pastor do? I mean, it's like, what's your job? You know, I have a religious part of my job, but on a lot of days, my job is just work. It's the same thing you do. It's spreadsheets and budgets and training and planning and setting things up around here and picking up trash and human resources and strategic plans and just grinding through and getting your tasks done. That's, that's work. And in that sense, it's all sacred. So on Monday, unless I guess some of you have Monday off, right? Lucky you. Um, but whenever, whenever you go back to the thing you do, think about the fact that whether you're momming or welding, whether you're driving a bus or a nail, or whether you're teaching the Bible or calculus, God has given you that to do. That's the new perspective. And, and, as, and as such, the work that you do is holy. Number two, we can be wholly devoted to our work because Christian faith provides us a new ethic of how to work. It provides us a new ethic of how to work. See, when you become a Christian you inherit an objective value system. This is important, and I'm emphasizing that on purpose. The, the values of culture move all around, and they're swayed by the current thinking or whatever, but for the Christian, our ethics are driven by much bigger things than just what our culture is saying. Our ethics are found in the concept that one, we're made in the image of God and in the teachings of Jesus and in the scripture. And, the, and when, we, when we approach that 
our ethics from that vantage point. Our work then is shaped by values and ideas like justice and honesty and mercy and fair profits and compensation and being loyal and being hardworking. And unless your, your work is grounded in and guided by that Christian ethic, by that framework, you're going to be prone to selfishness. You're going to make short-sighted decisions that eventually will harm you and others in the long run. And one of the things that's fascinating to me is how much the Bible talks about work. And one of my favorite books that does that is Proverbs. If you've never read Proverbs, I really encourage you to start chapter 1, read through the chapter 31. It's really easy to read, and there's so much in there about work ethic and uh, how, how our thoughts should be shaped by godly values. Proverbs 13.11 says, dishonest money dwindles away. So in other words, achieving profits in a dishonest way eventually catches up to you. And it won't pay off. Proverbs 14.23 says that all hard work brings a profit and mere talk leads only to poverty. In other words, work hard. And if, and if we work hard, there's value in that and it's likely going to lead you towards success. But just talking is going to lead you somewhere else. Proverbs 16.8, better with a little righteousness than much gain with injustice. The Bible tells us that it's far better for us to make less profit and be just in how we treat people and what we do. That is, that is much more important. These are just a few. You know, the Bible's like a compass of how to work. And Jesus is true north on that compass. I believe, because of that, that Christians should be the most honest, the hardest working. I believe that Christians should be the fairest and most generous bosses because this is the work ethic that comes from the teachings of Jesus and the Bible. You know, I've gotten to witness this salt-of-the-earth kind of ethic in uh, recently, uh, well, last week, the man I worked for, Mark Hartwig, he was the fire chief of San Bernardino County Fire Department. He was the chief for eight years, and I was on the job with Mark throughout his whole career. And he, he just retired. He, he's leaving San Bernardino County. He's going to Santa Barbara County. And, uh, but he retired from the county fire department that I worked with. And he was a remarkable man to work with and for. He was competent. At this retirement luncheon, people talked about all the things that were accomplished under his eight years, it was remarkable. The progress the fire department had made under his leadership. Um, he was admired. In 2017, he was the um, fire chief of the year in the state of California. He's brilliant. But you know, they, they told all that stuff like they typically do at a retirement, but the, the head of the labor union also got up and spoke about the fire chief. And what he said is, what I respect most about Chief Hartwig is he was always honest and he cared about people. You know, I don't know if you're, 
you know this, but typically labor and management don't get along. And one of the things that was remarkable about that era led by Chief Hartwig was his Christian ethic came through. Wasn't always recognized as Christian, but, and you know, it really shaped me. I saw him feel the pressure of human resource issues and personnel, and, and you know, he almost always, he was Christ-like in the way he conducted himself. It was very clear that his Christian ethic shaped him. If we don't allow, as Christians, our moral compass to be directed by the Scripture and the teachings of Jesus, then um, we'll lose our way. And success will become more important to us than our Christian faith. And you won't just lose your way, you'll lose part of yourself. You know, t today, and I'm sure it's been this way for all of eternity, we, we look at success, wealth, power, and we say, well, they must be awesome. You know, that's not true. You can be wealthy, you can be at the top, and be a person of low character. That's just the truth. It doesn't always indicate God's blessing. Christians, should, we should be shaped by that, that, the ethics that the Bible gives us. By the way, on the back of your note sheet, if you, if you take one of those, there are two good reads I recommend if this topic interests you, God, and what uh, the Bible has to say about it. First of all, a book by Tim Keller, Every Good Endeavor. I recommend both of these books. And then the second one uh, by John C. Knapp, How the Church Fails Business People. That's a fascinating read as well. So our ethics should, be, should shape the way we look at work. But we can also be wholly devoted to our work because our Christian faith bestows dignity to all forms of work. Our Christian faith bestows dignity to all forms of work. In America, and I'm sure it's this way around the world, we assign more dignity, more admiration to certain jobs and the people that hold them. But God doesn't work that way. There's dignity in all work. Uh, this year I read a book about Martin Luther King, and I, and I learned that in the, when he was assassinated in Memphis, I learned the whole reason why he was there. He was there because, uh, to, to attend a rally, a rally called I Am a Man. And this was a rally by the uh, garbage workers of the city of Memphis. And what had happened was um, the garbage work in the city of Memphis was largely, those jobs were held by black males. And in particular, uh, black males could only ride on the back of the garbage truck. They couldn't drive. And so it's clear that in the city at that time, they did not value the, that role of being the person that actually dumped the trash into the garbage truck, and they didn't value the people. They were 
not fairly compensated. They were not treated fairly. And to add insult to injury, they failed to, to just implement simple safety measures so that there was a, there was like a, a string of deaths that were easily avoided by implementing sim simple safety measures. And that had gone on for many years, but it kind of came to a head when on one day, two garbage workers were uh, crushed to death by a garbage compactor on a garbage truck. Only it happened in a neighborhood. And all the neighborhood witnessed it happening and the screams of these men as they were crushed. And you know, the city didn't respond at all. And so it generated this rally. And that's why Martin Luther King was there. You see, to the people who made the decisions in the city at that time, there was no dignity to those jobs, nor the people who held them. But contrast that with this. Think about these things in terms of the dignity of work. Adam was a landscaper. Moses assigned all kinds of craftsmen to the building of the tabernacle. In fact, if you read through um, Exodus, you'll find that God says to Moses, I, I have these skill, skilled people. I have given them the skill that you need. And then think about the fact that even though that we have in the Gospels basically three, uh, three years of uh, Jesus' life, but all scholars believe that for probably 20 years of his life, he was a simple carpenter. He worked. And you see that influencing almost everything that Jesus taught. It's like Jesus doesn't tell religious stories. I was at the temple, and, you know, we were talking. He, he tells stories from, like, blue, a blue-collar perspective. It's like agriculture and just hard work. and down. It's like he was right there. That's the life that Jesus lived. One of the things that uh, I loved about the show Dirty Jobs. You guys fans of Dirty Jobs? It seems like it's coming back on TV again, or maybe I just happened to land on it, and I, got, I started to binge on it a little bit. And uh, Mike Rowe, you know, that's just a great show. If you've never watched it, you should watch it. But Dirty Jobs is so interesting because, I mean, you know, you learn about all of these different jobs, and he's, of course, he's interesting and funny himself, but... You know, that show kind of restored dignity to, like, simple jobs that people do. In fact, Mike Rowe has been an advocate of that for a long time. He even testified before Congress about the need for skilled labor in this country. The job that you have, may, it may not have the dignity or the admiration that maybe you would want it to have, but, you know, when Paul wrote to Titus, he said, you you can be devoted to that job because, one, it'll provide for daily necessities and it makes you productive. There's dignity in that. And then Paul even writes about our motive for work in Colossians 3.23. He says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not men. So whatever your job is, whatever your work is this week, you know, you, Paul says you should work at it with all your heart. And that you should do it for the Lord. And anything we do for God, doesn't it have its own intrinsic dignity? 
regardless of what our culture says. You know, if you don't embrace this perspective that there's dignity in all forms of work, um, you're in danger because uh, it's going to affect your own self-worth because you're going to allow the culture to, to dictate whether you have value or not. And if the dignity of all work isn't embraced by you, you'll also get bored at work because every job has the menial tasks that you just think they don't matter, but they do to God because that job can be done as working for the Lord. You know, the, some of us chase this unicorn version of work. We're looking for the perfect job and we're looking for the perfect duties in that job and it's like, you know, that's where all the ponies and stars are. You know, if I could just have that or if I could only do this part of my job. But there's dignity in all work and every job is needed. This weekend I got to uh, tour uh, the USS Theodore Roosevelt, which is in San Diego. I went with one of our members as a Navy chaplain and he invited me to go on that ship. And you know, the first thing you're struck with when you walk up to it is like how massive it is. It's like, it's, how do people make this stuff? That's the thing I'm thinking right away. It's like, how, how does it float? I know it's Bernoulli's principle, but still you go like, wow, how does this, how does this happen? And you know, that ship has been involved in like some significant battles in American history. And it's a killing machine. And whatever you think about the American military, when you see that, it's like, that's legit, you know. But on that ship aren't just the flyboys, the pilots, not just the captain. What I was struck with was like how many different jobs there are to do on this ship. There are people that greet you when you get on the ship, people that say goodbye to you when you leave. There are plumbers and electricians and carpenters and security people and cooks and dishwashers. I mean, it's, it's a whole city into itself. And there's Navy chaplains. They're on there as well. And that, that makes the whole thing work. Every job, then, is important on that ship. We lose sight of that. For instance, can you name the quarterback of the, Na of the Super Bowl champions this year? Say it out loud. Tom Brady. Can you name his offensive line? Yeah, me neither. There might be some rabid and misled fan of the Patriots here today, but that's another sermon. Um, but you know, who is Tom Brady without his offensive line? Just another pretty face, right? <laughs> Every job has dignity. We can also be wholly devoted to our work because number four, our Christian faith gives us a new identity that's separate from our work. That's important, and it's kind of in contrast to what I just said. Every job has dignity in and of itself, but you are not your job. That's important to remember as a Christian as well. 
Love what Paul said in Romans 8. He says, we've been liberated to the glorious freedom of being a child of God. And again, it's like, you want to know what's different about Christian faith than non-Christian faith? Is that God loves every person so much that he gave his son. And when we receive the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, we are liberated from all the stuff that this world pins us down with all the weights and the expectations and the, you know, success fantasy and all that. It's like that, that, that's gone. And our identity, our value, our self-worth is not tied to the job we do, but it's that I'm a child of God. And that's important for every Christian to remember because it galvanizes us against the trappings of our culture, whether it's due to success or to failure. You see, if I forget that I'm a child of God, then success will lead to pride. It will lead to ego. It'll make me think I'm the master and I'm awesome because I succeeded at something. And the opposite is true as well. If, my, if I lose sight of the fact that I'm a child of God and my identity is found in what Christ has done for me, then when I fail or when I don't get the promotion or I don't get my dream job or I can't even find a job for a certain period of time, it, make, it starts to make you think you're nobody and you have no value. But our value is in the dignity that God has given us and that he has given his son for each of us. You know, I've, I've had to live with this. I think I've talked about this a little bit. It's like the, the transition for me to migrate from firefighter to pastor and that, that work that job, that title's part of my identity. And I can tell you that when I was a firefighter, like people would say, what do you do? I'd say, I'm a firefighter. And they're like, ooh, that's cool. You know, uh, tell me some stories. Uh, you know, like, you know, have you been in a fire? It's like, you know, that's so cool. Da, 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 da. And, um, and then they keep talking to you and asking you questions. And now when I say, they say, well, what do you do? Um, and I just say, well, I'm a pastor. They're like, oh. <laughs> and then they, why, they don't have any questions. Like, you know, like, tell me about that. Tell me about how you saved a soul. Or, you know, they, don't, they just don't ask. <laughs> so the way I answer that is they say, well, what do, what do you do? And I say, well, I used to be a firefighter, <laughs> but now I'm a pastor. And they're like, that really confuses them. They're like, uh, I don't know what to do right here. If you're a Christian, you have an identity. Our identity is in Christ. Last. Number five. We can be wholly devoted to our work because your Christian faith can shine brightly at work. Your Christian faith can shine brightly at work. You know, as you kind of like move through seasons of your life, you have these periods in which, you know, your light can shine. And I think it really starts to shine when you're a student, when you're in junior high and high school, and you have all this social activity and I just love what our high school and junior high groups are doing. They are so engaged in inviting their friends and, uh, you know, making a place for people, uh, students, to, to belong and to believe and then to become. They're doing, our leaders are doing remarkable work. The students are, are just so passionate about their faith. And that's, that's a period. And then, you know, like if you go off to college, then there's that period. And, and honestly, my years in state college were much more productive 
in a God sense than my, than, uh, my Bible college. Uh, state college, I just had so many opportunities for my faith to shine, and um, not so much at Bible college. And then, after that, is work. And most of us, if, if you're working, you, you spend more time at work than you do at any other place in your life. And when you're there, you know, people are assessing how you work. And because, of, and because if they know you're a Christian, unless you kept that on a down low, which I understand for some of you, but um, they, don't, they don't just assess who you are. They also assess your God. They draw conclusions about Christian faith based on how you work. This is, I mean, that, that's like a direct connection to me where Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. There's no place like work for most of us sitting in this room for that to happen. And shining your light at work, is there, there are parts of that. It isn't just like putting a big Bible down on your desk and, you know, wearing Jesus saves and handing out gospel tracts and playing Christian music really loud or, you know. Um, shining your light at work is, is about your professionalism, about your competency in your job and doing your job well. Um, shining your light is about how you treat people. Shining your light is about your character, who you are when nobody's looking, and whether the company or your boss can trust that when they send you to some place that you're going to do what you were supposed to do when you were there. And if, if those line up, if your professionalism, your, the way you treat people, and your character, if they line up, that usually lends to conversations about God. But you're not likely to have conversations about God if, you, if you're not professional, if your moral character isn't being influenced by your Christian faith, and if you're treating people poorly. I mean, I, I know people that consider themselves mature Christians that are just pugnacious and rude. Can you be a mature Christian and treat people poorly? I don't know. I guess we could debate that, but I don't think you can. But if you do these things, then you have an opportunity. And in fact, I said, you know, it's likely. I can almost guarantee it. That if, if you're letting your light shine by the way you work, you will have opportunity to talk about that light. I've done a lot of memorial services. And typically in a memorial service now, they, you know, like people tell stories about the person. And, um, you know, it's usually family and friends and then coworkers. You know, it's really amazing to watch that happen. There are some people that uh, it's clear that their faith just shined at work. And people get up and like they talk about their professionalism, the way they treated people, their character, and it's like their light has shined. And then there's other people that it's really clear that they didn't. 
Those are really hard memorials to do, by the way. I think I mentioned before, make it easy on your pastor. If for no other reason, do good at work so that when you die, I can give you a good memorial without working so hard. Is that more of like a fireman thing to say than a pastor? I don't know. Your light can shine brightly at work, and your Christian faith should be shaping the kind of worker you are. We can be wholly devoted to our work because it's the work that God has given us, and he's given us a compass to lead us in doing so. And our light can shine there. You know, I want to close our time, our talk today by there's a psalm, part of a psalm at the bottom of your note sheet. And, and to me, it's like, it's like the perfect prayer to pray at the end of a message about being wholly devoted to our work. So if you don't mind, I'm going to kind of include that in my prayer. Let's pray.